Thanks for joining us on this Reclamation Church podcast as we close out our Go and Tell series on Pentecost Sunday with State Evangelist preaching Michael Ball. He delivers an amazing message and the Holy Ghost just falls and we pray that you guys enjoy and are blessed by it. I want to encourage you, welcome Evangelist Michael Ball as he comes today. He's got an amazing word that encourages us to go and tell, and I'm excited to see what he has, uh, what God has in store to, with us, for us today with his message that he's uh, going to bring. Welcome, Evangelist Michael Ball. Praise the name of the Lord. What a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere of worship here today. Do you feel the presence of the Lord? You know, the Bible said that in his presence there is fullness of joy at his right hand, pleasures evermore. I want to participate in those pleasures today. How about you? So good to be with your pastor's lovely wife and daughters. I thank God for the ministry that they're doing here, for the work that the Lord has entrusted them with. And I'm just so excited that they have been uh, doing this series because I believe that if ever before we have needed our people to be spirit-filled and released, it's today. You know, when my master's program before entering into the doctoral program we had a study that we had to do on counseling and part of that was with marriage and in that counseling process they explained to us that parenting is nothing more than preparing our children to leave us wow I didn't like that because you know as a parent you just want your kids to stay with you forever and uh, you know, you just love that fellowship, but we are raising them up to send them out. You know, that's what we're doing in the church. We're not just raising new converts just to come and sit and just to celebrate. We're, we're raising them up to send them out. Today, I believe that God is wanting to anoint us and to prepare us for the mission at hand. I need you to bear with me for just a moment, please. I have felt very burdened all day. On my drive up here today, a little over an hour and a half, I left early because I wanted to stop by a place in Dunn, North Carolina, a place where on December 31st, 1906, a minister by the name of G.B. Cashwell, who having just left the Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles, California, being filled with the Spirit, came back to Eastern North Carolina and held a watch night service. From that watch night service, a revival took place where multitudes were saved and Spirit-filled. Amazingly enough, in that historical account, the town tried to shut them down because whites and blacks came together. Prostitutes had to quit. The bars had to shut down. Gambling joints disbanded. Wouldn't it be amazing? If we experience that kind of outpouring right here today, where it would so radically change this community that all the sinners 
would get uncomfortable. And even where the government would say something's going on there, Lord, let it happen today. I ask that God anoint me to preach, that he anoint you to hear, that his will be done. If you have your Bibles, turn with me today to Acts chapter 1. Pastor Miller told me what was taking place in this series. I wanted to finish out today with what I believe is true spirit-led evangelism. Spirit-led evangelism. Acts 1 and 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You know, there are many external evidences of the author of this book. There are internal evidences as well. Because of the writing, we understand that the author of the book of Acts is also the author of the third gospel, Luke the beloved physician. One of the reasons we know that is because in his writing in Luke, he begins a salutation to an individual. And he says, O Theophilus, this is the writing. This is the teaching of Jesus Christ. And he explained to him that in this writing, this gospel, he would find all of the miracles that Jesus performed. He would hear all the teachings that Jesus delivered. But when you go to the book of Acts, this same author writes to Theophilus again. And he said, Oh, Theophilus, this is another writing. It is a continuation of the works of Jesus Christ. It is a continuation of the miracles of Jesus Christ. But now it is seen through the believer by the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, when you look at these two books, there is such a connection. For in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus, I believe, gave us the centerpiece, the, the focal point of this Gospel in Luke 19 and 10. He said, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. He was letting his disciples know that the purpose of my coming, the reason for me appearing, is so I can go out and save the sinner, so I can give my life for all mankind. He said, I'm going to seek them out. I'm going to save them that were lost. But when you go to the book of Acts, our text is the focal point of this book where Jesus had said in Luke that I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now he is telling his disciples, you're going to receive power so you can be witnesses of me. When you look at these two books, literally, Jesus is passing the baton to you and I. What he had come to do, the works he came to perform, and the preaching of the gospel that he gave, he said, now I'm going to send the power of the Spirit into your lives and you are going to be witnesses unto me. I want to tell you, Reclamation Church, I believe that Jesus is trying to awaken us today to let us know that the torch is in our hands and the baton is in our hand. He is no longer here on this earth, but he said, I'm going to send you out to do the work that I came to do. 
Notice with me, in Matthew, he said to go and preach the gospel. In Mark, he said, go and teach all nations. In Luke, he said, go into the highways and the hedges and compel the people to come in, that my house may be full. In John, he said, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. That was the vision of the church. You know, every church has a vision and a mission plan or should have a vision and a mission plan. Jesus' vision was that we would go and that we would win the lost. But his mission statement is this is how it's going to happen. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You see, it is known that the coming of the Holy Ghost, it, it was not just something that happened on one day. The Spirit of God has always been. He is just as much God as the Father. He is just as much God as the Son. He is God the Holy Ghost, the third person of the triune Godhead. But yet Jesus was telling these disciples, there's going to come a point, there's going to come a time when the fullness of the Spirit will be poured out upon you. That's why he said, you'll receive this power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. Well, how did that happen? In Acts chapter 2, the Bible tells us, beginning with verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And cloven tongues like as a fire sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. I want you to notice something here. Every time an event of salvific experience took place, something supernaturally happen in nature what am I saying every time that something took place to represent salvation had come something miraculous took place in the world when Jesus was conceived by the Holy Ghost the Bible said that this impossible act was supernaturally done it was the Father saying, I'm sending my Son in a supernatural way. So nature showed the supernatural power of God that salvation had arrived. When Jesus was hanging on the cross and said, it is finished, the Bible said that the ground began to shake. That was literally God the Father shaking the very foundation of the earth, telling the people that salvation had come. Now when you go to Acts chapter 2, you will also find where nature supernaturally declared that Jesus had come and that salvation had arrived first of all it said that a rushing mighty wind filled that house there was no tornado there was no hurricane oh my friend the Spirit of God he just blew into that upper room but then the Bible said that cloven tongues like as a fire it sat upon each of them there were no candles being thrown at the Apostles there were no matches being passed back and forth supernaturally nature showed that salvation had come but notice what it said they all began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them the utterance out of all of these supernatural things this is the most important why because the bible said 
that they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And notice what happened. When this power came upon them, they left that upper room, they ran out into the street, and they began to declare the wonderful works of God. You see, I believe that the first form of true spirit-led evangelism is an outward manifestation of the Spirit of God. You know, we are living in a day and an hour where there are many, even in Pentecost, who no longer want the gifts of tongues, and they no longer want the expression of the Holy Ghost in the body of Christ but I want to tell you friend if you'll just look in this book you will recognize that tongues was more than just gibberish and, and tongues was more than just an ecstatic emotion but tongues was a manner by which God Almighty declared that salvation had come to a lost and a dying world hear me today my friend I believe that God is wanting to use this manifestation in the church today to reach a lost and a dying people when you go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 5, the Bible tells us that there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that they all heard them speak in their own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying, Are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue where even when we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and in Judea and in Cappadocia and in Pontus and in Asia and in Phrygia and in Pamphylia. Notice what he's doing. He's calling out all the races that were there. He said not only in Pamphylia but in Egypt. In the parts of Libya, about Cyrene, the strangers of Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians, they did all hear them speak in their own tongue the wonderful works of God. Hear me today. You do not have to go to a foreign nation to find foreign tongues. We can find them right here in Fayetteville, right here in Spring Lake, right here in North Carolina. You see, what God is wanting to do is He is wanting us to break down the racial barriers. He is wanting us to break down those verbal barriers and tell this world that Jesus Christ is Savior. This is a good time for me to stop right here. You see, in all this mess that we're facing here today, in all this racial problem that we're discovering in America and all the hindrances going on know this when the Holy Ghost comes and speaks through his people he breaks down racial barriers and know this he breaks down the color of man and he said I'm no respect to a person when the Holy Ghost came upon them they went out into the streets and they told everybody that Jesus Christ was the Savior of the world they did not just hear a sermon on marriage and they did not just hear a sermon on finances and they did not just hear a sermon on prosperity no what they heard was the wonderful works of God oh hear me reclamation church when you get full of the Holy Ghost and fire he will use those supernatural tongues that come only through the anointing of the Spirit to tell somebody that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and that no man can come unto the Father but by Him, it is time that we allow the Holy Ghost to be poured out upon His church today so we can go and be a witness in this world. The name E.J. Balmer may not be much to you, but this man who was of German descent 
found himself in 1906 walking down the streets of Los Angeles, California. Here's a man who was lonely, disheartened because he was there by himself, not having any family, not knowing anyone that spoke his native language. While walking down the street, E.J. Beamer had a 12-year-old girl walk up to him and in perfect German invited him to a fellowship at an old horse barn on Azusa Street. He was so excited because finally he, he had found somebody that spoke his own language. And he went to that meeting that night. Now this was his words. Having been from Germany, he had never seen a man of color. He walked in and saw, as he said, a dark man standing behind two wood crates, blind in one eye. He said, I could not understand a word he said. At that point in time, not knowing any English, he said, I was just confused. What's going on? Where is that German girl? Where are the German people? He said, and out of nowhere, I began to feel this warmth come over me. He said, not knowing what he was saying, I knew that something was going on. And he said, I began to cry. He said, I felt something unusual, something strange. And I noticed that people started walking toward the front by the dark man, he said. He said, and as they knelt down in front of him, he said, I noticed that they began to speak in foreign languages. And I thought to myself, well, this isn't just a German event, but, but, but this is a multinational event. And he said, out of nowhere, I heard somebody say in my own native tongue, E.J. Beamer, I am Jesus Christ. If you will come to me, I will make you a prophet to the nations. I will save your sins, and I will make you one of mine. He said, I looked around because that was the same voice that I had heard earlier in the day inviting me there. He said, I'm looking all over the place trying to find where that German girl was. And he heard it again, E.J. Beamer. I have called you to be a prophet to the nations. Come to me and I will save you from your sin and I will make you one of mine. He said finally he ran up to the dark man and he grabbed him and said, German girl, German girl. And he looked at him and said, there is no German girl. He said, yes, German girl, German girl. And Brother W.J. Seymour, the African-American Holy Ghost field preacher, realized what was happening. He knew that God, the Holy Ghost, had touched a young little 12 year old girl to be a witness to this German man that Jesus Christ was Savior and he looked at that German girl and called her up there and said talk to him and she didn't know how to talk in German but the Holy Ghost came on her again he oh God have mercy the Holy Ghost used that 12 year old girl to look at that German man and once again through the power of the Spirit she proclaimed Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world E.J. Beamer fell on his face before the Lord he said forgive me of my sin and God not only saved him but filled him with the Holy Ghost and sent him all across the world to be a witness 
witness hear me reclamation church that same anointing it is for you today that same gift it is for you today that same power it is relevant in the church today I would to God that he would fill us all that's why Isaiah the prophet heard the word of the Lord in Isaiah 28 and 11 God said with stammering lips and a new tongue will I speak to my people that's why Paul said forbid not speaking with other tongues it is not for the believer but the gift of tongues is so the sinner might know the power of God oh Lord send down that power that we might be a witness to all the nations of the world again oh hallelujah somebody say amen hallelujah but then notice this power came and the miracle of speaking took place where they all spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. But that supernatural evangelistic ability quickly switched from a miracle of speaking to a miracle of hearing. Because now the 120 had silenced. But the Bible said in Acts chapter 2 that Peter standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words, for these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens will I pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, when the anointing of the Holy Ghost fell on the 120 he used a supernatural language to uh, to affect everyone that was there but then they had to settle down and hear what was the wonderful works of God well brothers brother Peter under the same influence that calls him to speak with other tongues the anointing of the Spirit came over him to proclaim salvation you see, true spirit-led evangelism is not just something that you learn in a discipleship class. True spirit-led evangelism is the anointing to proclaim and to declare Jesus is Lord. You see, the anointing of the Holy Ghost fell upon Brother Peter. And Brother Peter stood up and lifted up his voice and told all of these people, Listen, what you're seeing now, it was prophesied years ago by brother Joel and he told us that there would come a time when the Spirit of God would be poured out upon the church and that everybody who called on the name of the Lord would be saved well how else can they call on the name of the Lord well Romans 10 14 and 15 tells us how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe without hearing and how shall they hear except they be sent Wow you see, the only way that they're going to hear the wonderful works of God is when we're sent to tell them the wonderful works of God. 
Notice what Peter did. Peter preached Jesus. Well, I want to tell you something here today. The Spirit of God, He does not come upon a person just so they can have the feel-goods. He does not move upon a church just so they can have an outward manifestation. Yes, we need those, and that is the first tool that he used to witness. But when the Spirit of God comes, what he does is he testifies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even Jesus said that when he, the Comforter, has come, he will not speak of himself, but of those things which he has seen and heard. He will testify of who Jesus Christ is. You know why you need the power of the Holy Ghost in your life? So you can tell somebody who has never heard of Jesus who Jesus is. This may shock you, but did you know that 65% of our nation, not Africa, not Asia, our nation, 65% have no religious affiliation whatsoever. I'm not just talking about Christian. I'm talking about no religious affiliation. They're not Jews and they're not Muslims. They're not Hindu. They are nothing. They are atheistic. Amazingly, there are hundreds of thousands who have never even heard the name Jesus Christ in our nation. Notice what Peter did after the anointing of the Spirit of God came upon him. He began to preach Jesus Christ. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he looked at all of those people that were there that day. He said, you need to know who is the giver of the Holy Ghost. Oh, that's something very important. You see, Jesus Christ, after telling his disciples in our text that they would receive power, in the very next verse, <clears throat> verse 9, the Bible said that Jesus was taken up into heaven. Now, why is that so important? Because Jesus tells us in John 14, 16, and 17 that when he gets there that he was going to pray the Father and he would give them another comforter that he may abide with them forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, for it neither seeth him nor know him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. He looked at those people and said, Listen, this Jesus that you have crucified, who has now ascended to the Father, you need to know who he is. He's the giver of the Holy Ghost. He's the one that prayed to his Father that he would send us this precious gift. He said, Now listen, i got to be a little tough in my preaching. Brother Peter looked at them and said, you killed Jesus Christ. It was your sin that put him on the cross. You know, in a day of fluff and puff preaching, in a day of not wanting to ruffle any feathers in our personal witness, we have missed the point that unless a person realizes their sin, they will never realize their need for a Savior. God has not given us permission to beat the devil out of people with the word. Hello? But he has told us to be confrontational. You see, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you become bold as a lion, and, and you can tell this world that, yes, sin is sin, and wrong is wrong, and if the word of God is against it, then it doesn't matter what the government says. It doesn't matter what educational institutions say. It doesn't matter what the judicial system says. If the word of God is against it, it is sin. So he pointed 
his finger at him and said, you've sinned. You were the ones that hung Jesus on the cross. And notice what he said. First of all, here's a man who just a few days ago, literally a month before, was caught cussing on the corner, denying the Lord Jesus Christ three separate times. He was afraid to proclaim Jesus Christ. But when the Holy Ghost came upon him, that Spirit of God rose up inside of him and caused him to be a bold proclaimer of who Jesus Christ was. He said when you hung him on that cross, you said he was nothing more than some rebel. When you hung him on that cross and crucified him, you said he was nothing more than some false prophet. And when you killed him and when you put those nails in his hands and his feet and the crown upon his head and the spear in his side, you said that he was nothing more than some false prophet. He said, but what you did not know is when you did that God the Father made him Lord and Christ you see when the Spirit of God comes upon you you will declare to this world that he is the Lord and that he is the Christ that he is more than some prophet he is more than some good teacher he is more than some miracle worker but he has to be the Lord and the Christ in your life reclamation church that's what the anointing of God does that's what the Spirit of the Lord does. He gives you that bold witness to go and to confront people with their sin and to tell them who Jesus Christ truly is. But hear me. Some of you are wondering, how in the world can I be like Brother Peter? How in the world can I declare to a world that Jesus is Savior? I, I'm shy. That's okay. I told you, Brother Peter, he wasn't too fond of witnessing either 30 days before the Spirit of God came. You see, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, something changes. And you don't fear what man shall do unto you, the writer of Hebrews said. You know what we need, especially in this hour? is such an anointing by the Spirit of God that we do not fear what everybody else says about us. Oh, yeah. The secular world. They could not care less what people think about them. They're not afraid of offending others. They're not afraid of being bold and confrontational in their witness. But it seems like the church world is hunkered down and we've grown comfortable and complacent to not rock the boat. You see, the Spirit of God is a boat rocker. In fact, when the Spirit of God came upon that 120, the Bible said that they literally turned the world upside down. Has anybody ever been on that boat ride at Bush Gardens? I hate that thing. Because it starts off really smooth. But as it starts going higher, you start feeling more uncomfortable. And by the time it gets to the top and it stops, a big boy like me, <laughs> that kind of hurts. You know, that's exactly what the Spirit of God does to a world when His people, full of the Spirit, go out and tell them about Jesus Christ. He rocks the boat 
of their secular thinking. He, he rocks the boat of their political misunderstandings. He, he, he rocks the boat of their prejudices. When the Spirit of God comes, He turns the world upside down. Well, preacher, what if I do not know what to say? That's okay. You just study the Word of God. Paul told his son in the faith, Timothy, he said, Study to show thyself approved a workman unto God that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly divining the Word of truth. You study the Word of God. Because when the Spirit comes upon you, the Bible said that He will tell you what to say in that very hour that you need to say it. You may be confused as what to say, but if you have put the Word of God in your heart and if you have studied it, the Scripture said that He will bring back to your remembrance those things that you have studied. There is no shame to say, I'm scared to be a witness because in our flesh we must be scared. But when the Spirit of God comes, we are bold as lions and there's nothing to be ashamed about to say well I'm worried about how to say it and what to say because in our flesh we should be worried but when the Spirit of God comes upon us he gives us the words to say and he brings back to our remembrance and he will never lead you astray he will never cause you to say anything that he would not say the Bible said that Peter preached to them now preaching is more than just standing behind this pulpit there are those who are called to be shepherds. There are those who are called to stand behind a sacred desk and to deliver the word. But notice what he was doing was a divine proclamation. Did you know that he has called every single one of you who are saved today to be divine proclaimers of the word of the Lord? He has called you to be witnesses. He told his disciples the job that you are going to have is to be witnesses. That word witness in the original Greek is martyria or martyr in our native tongue. And it literally means one who is willing to give up their life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you here today, who in this house is willing to give up your life for the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'll tell you how that can happen. When you get so full of the Holy Ghost that you say that there is nothing in this world more important to me than winning somebody to Jesus Christ. There is nothing in this life that is more valuable to me than bringing in a harvest. When you get the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, you will be able to be an effective witness the Bible said that he preached you know what we need we need the anointing to be proclaimers again Paul the apostle said in 1st Corinthians chapter 14 he said the sharing of the gospel the preaching of the gospel he said it is not in word only but in power Wow in chapter 12 he told the church, he said, I, I came not unto you with the enticing words of men's wisdom. He said, I didn't just come to be a good orator. He said, but I came in the demonstration and the power of the Spirit. You know what Jesus said? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. I'll tell you when you'll make a difference. is when you receive that power. And the anointing comes on you, and you proclaim Jesus Christ. I have one more thing I want to tell you. It did not end with their proclamation. You see, when the Spirit of the Lord came upon them supernaturally, God used the gifts of the Spirit. The supernatural tongue. 
to proclaim to a world that Jesus was Savior. And yes, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them to verbally proclaim Jesus Christ. And you go to Mark chapter 6, we see this power. Mark 16, rather. Because Mark said they preached everywhere. You know, that, that's the connection between Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. They preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and signs following the word. Oh, God have mercy. There's a whole lot of proclamation, but very little signs following. I'm a firm believer, Pastor, that in this hour that we're living in, we will not be effective in our witness until they can see this Jesus that we're preaching about. How do they see? Well, it's very simple. Through the miracles that come after the preaching of the gospel has taken place. We're living in a powerless church age. When was the last time you saw someone rise out of a wheelchair and heal? When was the last time blinded eyes were open and deaf ears began to hear in our local congregations? Oh, yeah, we hear about those things happening all across foreign nations, but what about here? You see, the miracles were not just for some spectacle. It was not just for a show. Pardon me, I don't mean to be critical here, but, you know, we've got a lot of showmanship in Christian television. And we have a lot of things that are contrary to God's Word being done on Christian television. But miracles are a sign for the unbeliever. After the day of Pentecost had come, Acts chapter 2, they ran out into the street and through tongues and through divine proclamation, they told the world Jesus saved it. 3,000 came to Christ in that one day. Wow. 3,000. But how did that continue? Not only did they go preaching everywhere, but notice what happened in chapter 3. In chapter 3, Peter and John going to the temple at the hour of prayer. By the way, let me throw this in. When you get full of the Holy Ghost, you will go to the temple at the hour of prayer. That's good. You can take that home with you. Chapter 3, they went to the temple at the hour of prayer. There was a man who was lying in front of the temple saying, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The Bible said that Peter took him by the hand and lifted him up. What happened? He went running and leaping throughout the temple. And the people came to him and said, By what power have you done this? And he preached Jesus. The anointing of the Spirit came upon him to cause a miracle to take place. He, he proclaimed Jesus Christ and said, It is by the power of him who you crucified that has raised this man up. And when they saw that miracle, 5,000 people came to Jesus Christ. When you go over to chapter 5, the Bible tells us of Sapphira and Ananias. Sapphira and Ananias who lied to the Holy Ghost. Not all miracles are for edification. Some of them are for correction, but they all bring the same results. In chapter 5, Sapphira and Ananias, they were 
downed by the Lord. They were put to death by the Lord for their sin and for their unrighteousness. And the Bible said that multitudes came to Jesus Christ. When you go to Acts chapter 6, the Bible tells us that Stephen, he stood before the Jerusalem people and he told them that they were hypocrites. He told them that they were stiff-necked people. He told them that they had always resisted the Holy Ghost as did their forefathers. And when he preached Jesus Christ, yes, some of them got mad at him, but the Bible said that many came to the Lord Jesus Christ after they saw the miracle that performed after his preaching. When you go to Acts chapter 8, the Bible tells us that Brother Philip the evangelist had gone into Samaria. He preached Jesus Christ. He laid hands upon those that were sick and infirm. And the Bible said that many miracles took place and joy came to the entire city. He won an entire city after the anointing of the Spirit of God brought miracles into that town. But when you go over to Acts chapter 9, there was a man by the name of Ennius. Ennius had been lying on his bed for eight long years, a paralytic. But Brother Peter came by and looked at him and said, Brother Ennius, the Lord Jesus makes you whole. And the glory of the Lord fell upon him. And a man who had his back on his bed for eight years jumped up and put his bed on his back and started running throughout the city. And the Bible said because of that miracle, all of Lydda and Sharon came to Jesus Christ. If you want to know how to win this city we better have the anointing of the Holy Ghost again because the Bible said these signs shall follow them that believe in my name they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover reclamation church if you want to be an effective witness we've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost we've got to have the anointing of the Spirit we must have not only the tongues not only the preaching but the manifestation through miracles in this last day, I'm getting ready to close. Come and play something for me. Hear me. Some of you have yet to receive this power. Preacher, did I, did I not receive the Spirit when I got saved? There's a difference between being born of the Spirit and being baptized in the Spirit. That's scriptural. I quoted John 14, 16, and 17. Notice what he said. You know him for he dwelleth with you, but he shall be in you. There's a difference. In fact, in Acts chapter 2 in Peter's message, he said what you need to do is repent be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Notice there's a subsequence. Repent first. Show your first works. Be baptized. Proclaim to the world that Jesus saved you. And then receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 8, when Philip was in Samaria, he preached Jesus. The apostles came to town. They began to lay their hands on the people. They received the Holy Ghost. There's a substitute. Yes, you received a measure of the Spirit. For no man shall say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost you could not even get saved had it not been for the Spirit of God. So yes, you have a measure of the Spirit with you. Those disciples did in Acts chapter 2. 
those disciples in our text acts 1 they were followers of the Lord they were disciples but yet he said there's something greater that's going to happen to you you shall receive power so for you today believer you have the Spirit of God with you but is he in you preacher how do I know if I'm spirit-filled well if you have to ask because when he comes you know it you don't have to question and then preacher what about those tongues that you're talking about don't worry about the tongues that's the initial evidence that he has come I, I, I love shoes I, I go and buy a lot of dress shoes Never have I walked into a shoe store and said, uh, can I buy a pair of tongues? You know, every pair of shoes has a tongue. I go in and ask for the shoes and the tongue comes with it. I don't go to God asking for tongues. I say, Lord, fill me with your spirit and tongues come with it. Preacher, do all speak in tongues when the Holy Ghost comes on them? Yes, that is biblical. You can find that throughout all of Acts. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is so he can use those gifts to loose you into a harvest. Pastor Miller told me that this was the quote-unquote reopening my text to him I said I'm glad to be a part of this reopening and this releasing because this anointing is going to release some people here today I serve on the Eastern North Carolina State Council of the Church of God this could probably make a few people mad but you know, I, I kind of have problems with all these church growth programs we're doing. If they work, why did we have to have one every single year that's brand new? We'll have one this year, and it, oh, that was great, but let's try this one this year. Go into the highways and the hedges and compel the people to come in that my house may be full. The Great Commission is solidified by the Spirit of God. When you have the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon you, you'll win people. That's it. The best church growth program you can have is to have Spirit-filled believers witnessing to sinners. That's it. These men were not learned, but they were full of the Spirit. These men had no backing financially from a denomination, but they were full of the Spirit. These men were simple Galileans. They had no influence, but they had the Spirit. Father, oh, I sense your presence.
Father, when that 120 gathered in the upper room, they were all with one mind and one accord. May every believer now become unified in the Spirit. Lord, we seek not after tongues. We seek not after gifts. We seek for you. Father, that's what we want. I want more of you. Lord, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you. as I give more of me to you. Father, if there's one here today that is not full of your spirit, fill them before they leave. I ask that no one looks around while every head is bowed and every eye is closed. It might just be that one of you here today does not know Jesus as Lord in Christ. It just might be that you are not a Christian. Oh yeah, you may be in name only, but not a disciple of Jesus. You have not repented of your sin. You have not asked Him to forgive you. You have not followed Him in His Word. But today you would say, Preacher, I want to know Christ as Savior. I, I want to give Him myself. I, I want to be a disciple while the spirit is tugging at your heart if I'm talking to you you are ready to get saved today if you're ready to become a disciple of Christ would you just lift up your hand nobody's looking around but me and God there's no magic formula there's no abracadabra the Bible said if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. So, Father, before I go any further, those that may not have raised their hand but feel the tugging of your spirit, would you just move upon them right now that they may have faith to receive? Father, salvation is not being a part of a church. Salvation is being the church. Believing in their heart, confessing with their mouth that you are the Christ. Give them that faith, for by grace are they saved through faith, and that not of themselves. It's a gift of God. Now, if there's one here today who your pastor has been preaching all these many weeks on going out, you are ready to receive this anointing. You are ready to receive this power that only comes to the baptism in the Spirit. And you're hungry to receive this power. You're ready to receive this power. Would you just lift up your hand? God and I are watching. No one else is looking. God bless you. Are there others? He said, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. If you're hungry and you're thirsty, he'll fill you today with his spirit. One more time, is there another? If you've already raised your hand, don't raise it again. Is there another? Would you, would you raise your hand and say, preacher, I want this anointing. I want this power to be an effective witness. 
Everyone stand with me, please. Because of practicing social distancing, I'm not going to call you to this altar. But I want every family unit that is here today, I want you to begin to pray one for another that the Spirit of God would reign in your life. Pastor, you, you know what amazes me? I look at these beautiful kids that are here. I'm so glad the kids were here. Again, you have to pardon me. I normally preach five, minimum of five times a week, and I haven't been doing that because of the social distancing. And I just, I'm kind of like Jeremiah today. I just feel it burning. In Acts chapter 2, notice what he said. All of those different nationalities. So we've already discussed that. He broke down racial barriers. But he also broke down generational barriers. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see visions. Your young men shall dream dreams. You see, the Holy Ghost is not just for my grandparents or for my parents. It's not just for me. It's for my children. For this promise is unto you and to your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's for everybody. Not only did he break down racial and generational barriers, he broke down gender barriers. It's not just for the male. It's for the female, your sons and your daughters. He also broke down the barriers of class. It's not just for the middle class, not just for the rich. He said even my servants and my handmaidens. It's for everybody here. Oh, in my services, I have been so blessed to see children as young as six receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the others. I, I've witnessed a man 83 years old receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. It's for everybody. So today, if you're a family unit, I want you to pray together. If you're not with the family, I want you to know that we are family and I'm praying for you and praying with you. I want you right now to begin to pray one for another. God, fill us with your Spirit. I want you to lift up your voice. I want you to pray together one for another. God, fill us with your spirit. Go ahead. Start praying right now. Start praying. Start praying. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this message. We pray that it is inspiring and life-changing and it just is moving in your heart. Before you go, please like and subscribe to uh, whatever podcast platform you are listening on so that you can get up to date and follow us on Facebook and please share us with your friends and family so that they can hear and be able to see the word of God. Hope to see you again soon. Bye.